Hey, boss women. I'm your host, Lindsay Lawless, and you're listening to the Women of Wealth podcast, where we blend the woo with strategy so you can create a confident, powerful, and secure relationship with your cash flow. I am on a mission to educate and empower women around their finances so we can create more women millionaires. More women in positions of power means more wealth into the hands of women, empowering them to build a legacy for themselves and their families, all while increasing the frequency of the planet. Like, come on. And this starts with healing our relationship with money so that we can bridge the masculine and the feminine and bring the soul back into money. So if you are looking for a space to learn about creating additional streams of income, organizing your finances, stepping into abundance, and getting your money working for you, then you're in the right place. Let's do this. Hey there, so you are listening to the Women of Wealth podcast, and this week we have a very special guest, my best friend, my partner, my other half, my husband, my confidant, Jesse Borsina is going to be here with us on the podcast today. I'm going to let him uh, quickly introduce himself, but if you don't know him through me already, then I definitely recommend checking him out online or connecting with him on Instagram. He's been putting out a lot of really amazing content around temperaments, uh, counseling, as well as leadership coaching. So if you are looking to develop your leadership skills or just get to know yourself and your connection with others um, in a deeper way, then like I said, definitely check some of that out. So Jesse, I'll let you quickly intro yourself and then we'll talk a little bit more about our travels, um, kind of you know what we're doing right now where we're at and how that relates to our finances in terms of finding our next home and our second rental property thanks babe do you usually stare at your guests with goo goo eyes when you're introing them or is that just me (laughs) just you (laughs) (laughs) uh so glad to be here um like Lindsay had said i am a leadership development coach focusing on conscious leadership um right now i am focusing on temperament analysis and understanding yourself through the lens of personal temperaments. Um, but that's, if you want to check me out, um, on Instagram at the conscious leader underscore, uh, without further ado though, let's talk about this amazing trip that we're on and looking for our next three to five year home. (laughs) (laughs) He says three to five years. I'll give you guys a backstory. Jesse has this little uh, inside joke where he said that he's just had to come to terms with the fact that like, I'm going to want to move somewhere every three to five years. So home is a moving target um, and a evolving trajectory, which uh, I don't necessarily disagree, but we'll see having kids, you know, having kids changes things. So actually that kind of gets into like a really good kind of first point or kind of background that I want to set for you guys, which is like, what led us to do this? And like, why now? So um, first and foremost, you know, we originally live in New York, we're 45 minutes outside the city um, on Long Island, Jesse's from Long Island, originally, he's got a lot of family there. And um, obviously, you know, New York has been a a crazy place to be during everything that's going on in the world right now. Um, So we had kind of decided to leave New York for some time and kind of seek safe haven in Arkansas, my mother's place in April. Uh, And we really enjoyed it. We not only really enjoyed traveling, um, but we just really enjoyed having the time working on the road. And it really kind of like showed us that it was viable for us to be kind of location independent, for us to kind of live this digital nomad life that we've talked about and kind of had a vision for for a long time, but haven't fully put into practice. Plus the animals did well in the car. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I, I was always apprehensive to take it to the road. We, we have a dog, Viola, and my cat, Jinx, and I was not sure how Jinx was going to take to road life, but he is loving it so far. And he has come far for a from a stray cat out of Patchogue, New York. So <laughs> seeing the world. For sure. For sure. Jesse made a joke the other day. He's like, you've seen more of the world than any of your ancestors, Jinx. <laughs> but Viola's really good too. She's very good in the car. Viola's always been good traveling, but like obviously a cat is a little bit more um, of a moving target. Plus having a cat and a dog together. But we're super lucky. You know, we have a real uh, Milo and Otis pet bond. Um, oh, they're best friends. So yeah, they're best buds. They get along really well. Once in a while, <laughs> Viola's sleepy or in a mood just like, you know. Um, essentially, she might get a little snappy, but... They're, they're normally best friends. So just like true brothers and sisters, they have their own bickerings. So like, like we said, you know, we, uh, know that we didn't want to raise kids in New York. Uh, and as we are getting older and older, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the time frame where we're thinking about having kids pretty soon. So we originally wanted to take this trip and, you know, then COVID and everything happened. We wanted to travel to four or five places where we wanted to live. 
And uh, when, when COVID and everything happened, it really kind of, you know, put all of our plans on hold and kind of like threw everything up in the air. Yeah. So we had mapped out re- pretty much the rest of the year and we knew like when we were traveling where um, and when we were taking off. And then obviously like, you know, the world had different plans. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that process for a second? Like where we actually sat down and we thought about and we did some research on the top five places that we were thinking of moving? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be, I'll be transparent. Uh, the research was after the fact for me, I felt really intuitively guided, um, to certain places, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico in particular, I kept having, we'll talk more about these individual cities and really dive into our experiences with them. But essentially like I kept having dreams and visions of New Mexico, which is crazy because I had never been there. I say that. I drove through once and <laughs> spent like a sunrise. I spent like two or three hours in New Mexico one time years ago when I was half asleep. Um, and it was beautiful, yes, but uh, just something about it was calling to me and I felt very spiritually connected to the place. So that's what really made that um, kind of one of my go-tos. Somewhere that Jesse and I had visited before that we had talked about wanting to go to was Austin, Texas. So that was definitely a high on the list too. Um, and we've also, you know, people tell us all the time and we've also personally kind of seen ourselves being a good fit for Colorado because we love doing stuff outdoors. We love being in the mountains. We love hiking. Um, I'm a big mountain biker. I'm just gradually getting Jesse into it. Um, I so love yeah. snowboarding. Yeah, totally. So we knew that like that would be a good fit for us in terms of lifestyle. And then um, the other places are San Luis Obispo, California and Gilbert, Arizona, right outside of Phoenix. Uh, I'll be transparent, though. It's probably too hot for me. <laughs> I could barely handle Austin in the summer. I get the difference between dry heat and humidity but still Arizona's hot 100 110 (laughs) like more than half the year I don't know if I can do it I get I'm a fire sign and I get feisty when it's hot and I get mean so it's it's not good for anybody on second thought I think Arizona just moved down our list a little bit after that comment so yeah quick recap just so you guys know the top five locations that we're thinking about um and that we've you know either traveled to or we are traveling to as we speak uh Austin Texas Albuquerque New Mexico Denver or Colorado Springs in Colorado uh depending on just you know pricing and space we'll dive more into some of those specifics in a little bit Mm -hmm. um San Luis Obispo California and then and Gilbert, Arizona, near Phoenix, which is gradually making its way off this list. Honorable <laughs> mention, number six, which was kind of tied with Arizona, was Chicago for a little while. Oh, true. So we did play around with that. So yeah. um, for those of you who maybe haven't known me for a long time... Um, I actually lived in Chicago for five years. I graduated from DePaul University. So Chicago is like very close to my heart. It's actually one of my favorite cities in the entire world. It's beautiful. I love, love, love the city. Um, I love the size of the city. I love the outlook of the city. I love the how, you know, kind of Lake Michigan, which looks like an, an ocean, to be honest, has beaches that really kind of like come right up to the cityscape. So you get this like stark contrast of nature along with like the city urban landscape. It's a very nice blend. Lots of parks. Um, and honestly, a good place to raise a family. Simultaneously, I've lived there for five years. I've had the experience and I very much so want to try new things and explore new vibrations and frequencies and just kind of see what else is out there. Back to that Rolling Stone thing we were talking about three to five years. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, okay, so let me see. Let's. So we started the process. We made the list. We had plans to go travel. We were going to spread it out throughout 2020 and then... COVID-19 happened and the quarantine and we packed up our whole little family and we drove down to Arkansas to stay with my mother-in-law, your mother, for three to four weeks about Yeah, to kind of get away from the craziness that was New York. And that just really inspired us to say, what are we doing going back to New York? We went back to New York for like two weeks or something like that. And then we were like, why are we even here? Work shut down. I was out of work. I'd was working construction full-time at the time uh, as an electrician. You were working fully digitally at that point. So it was like, why are we even here? Let's just go now. We know that the animals can take it. We know the car can take it. We have the space. We have the money. We have the time. Let's just go. Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. So I'd love really quickly before we dive into some uh, talking about kind of the individual cities and things that we love and things that like kind of pros and cons, if you will, and things that, you know, are my non-negotiables and some of your non-negotiables. I'd love if you could just kind of share with our listeners, um, if you don't mind, I know it's a vulnerable topic, but essentially just like some of your resistance as we started to navigate these decisions. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, how did you feel? What was coming up for you? Because like, you know, there could be not only other individuals listening, but even other couples or people who are in relationship listening to this that maybe 
maybe yeah. don't feel like they're fully on the same page with their partner about where they want to go or when they want to travel or how they want to work or mm-hmm. how involved they want to be together in each other's work relationships um, and really just kind of like all of that. So I would love if you could just share a little bit about what that looked like for you um, and how we over- overcame that together. And of course, I can kind of share my insight about how that experience impacted me during that time as well. Oh, man. Okay. Um, well, right off the bat, it was a complete death of identity. And that's what it took for me. Uh, it's really easy to, especially nowadays in 2020 with Instagram and the whole FOMO culture, it's easy to say that you want to travel the world and I want to live everywhere and I want to be a digital nomad and all that. Um, but for me personally, I left home at 17, 18, joined the Marine Corps, traveled around a decent amount and coming back home was me cultivating roots for the first time in my adult life. I was 23 years old at that point, 24 years old, and I wanted that white picket fence. I wanted a family. I wanted to be able to throw down roots and say, like, this land is mine. I own this. I claim this. This is where I'm safe. This is where I can keep my junk. This is where my kids are going to grow old. And, you know, meeting you and traveling and really discovering the part of me that wanted to experience new things and wanted to adventure and wanted to travel the world, I realized that that was not going to be possible with the identity and with the life that I had been cultivating up to that point. So it was a grueling process, you know? (laughs) When your wife comes to you and says she wants to leave Long Island, even though we just purchased a house, there was a lot of resistance um, you just know, as a loose term as well, just, yeah. just to you as like, you know, a, a large amount of time to me, just as like two weeks ago, uh, we had our house in Long Island. We've had our house in Long Island. We still own it for about two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent the kind of person who will say a million times I'm ready and, oh yeah, two to three years, two to three years. And I'll say that for, you know, four years. <laughs> so by the time it came up where, it was like, oh, we've been in this house for two years. Like, let's start exploring. I was like, no, Linz, I told you that was going to be a two to five year plan. She was like, Jess, it's been two and a half years. It's time to start executing on the plan. <laughs> and I was like, crap, she's right. <laughs> like, uh, I can't just stay in my comfort zone forever. I actually have to start making moves now. Um, so that was a process to say the sure. least. It, there was a lot of fights. There was a lot of... Um, on my part, you know, going back on my word every now and then or saying yes and meaning no and um, saying I'm committed to building out a digital form of revenue or income and building up a practice where I can start traveling and bringing money in the door, but then, you know, spending 60-hour weeks working as an electrician and putting absolute zero energy towards the next step for me. Although I got to give you some credit because you're being a little hard on yourself. I you do You were that. not just working 60 hour work weeks in construction. You were working part-time. You were part-time working in the field, which mm-hmm. you were getting paid for. You were off the books, Full-time. not getting paid for. No, there's more. Um, you were off the books, not getting paid for all of the leadership development and business development that you were doing behind the scenes from like creating an employee manual to setting up employee reviews and like, literally facing an entire uphill battle to even make anything possible within the company um, from resistance from upper leadership. It's also a family owned business. So I will, uh, I'll use my words carefully. (laughs) That falls into the death of identity as well, you know, because here I was like grooming myself or being groomed to take over this company one day from my father. And, you know, in one decision, just abandoned, not abandoned, but had to pivot that plan. Totally. It's funny because you're like in one decision. I'm like, you mean over a year and a half. (laughs) So again, like, you know, to give a little bit more backstory, what I was sharing was not only was he doing all of this stuff in terms of like leadership development and like things to actually benefit the company and to make it where not Mm -hmm. only it would have value and be able to run smoothly, but that it could run without his father being a necessary component because right now... Or anyone on the executive team, yeah. Yeah, and essentially another reality is that if Jesse's not going to take over the business, then his dad's going to presumably want to sell it someday. There's, you know, he doesn't have any other brothers. His sister's not interested. Mm -hmm. She's a nurse. 
Um, so essentially, they're gonna have to sell it one day. And right now, you couldn't even get a solid price for it in the market because it can't run without Matt. So it's not much of a business more than it's Matt's solo venture. So essentially, like, you know, this is important for important work for Jesse to be doing, but he doesn't necessarily have the support that he needs because upper leadership doesn't see the value of coaching and consulting in the way that the younger generation often sees it being useful. Um, but even more over than that, Jesse also made the decision about, that's why I said a year or two coming is because Jesse had made the decision um, last August to go back to school. And oh, he's actually, yeah, I you forgot, forgot about that piece. <laughs> um, he's it's like, become oh. such a part of everything that I'm doing that right. I'm like, oh yeah, I was also going to school. I was also getting certification programs. I was yeah, also totally. in coaching. Like, yeah. Were, yeah, I guess. You've been doing a lot. You've been making a lot of moves. We're in ministry. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't even talk about that yet, but essentially tying it back to school, Jesse is studying organizational psychology. So he's going to be doing a lot of work psychology and really kind of bridging these worlds between like the counseling and the temperaments that he's been doing, as well as coaching and some of this high level consulting in terms of leadership development Mm -hmm. and really bringing that all together into, you know, maybe even developing a clinical practice one day. We'll see what the cards hold. You know, it's completely up to him at the end of the day, and I'm excited to see how it transpires. But I do want to just kind of, you know, set the tone that there was a lot going on here and that there were a lot of things happening. It was a lot. It was really easy to bury the hard decisions in the routine necessities of every day. Yeah. So it was really easy to just stay busy and to push off these decisions and to push off these trips and to push off everything um, and just stay busy, you know, focus on what's right in front of you, even though that wasn't going to get me where we wanted to go ultimately. So enough about that we could literally have an entire podcast talking about our life but totally. i think so, your listeners want to hear about this trip no absolutely but I, like i said i think it's important because there could be people who are listening who might yeah. feel that energetic disconnect or that vision not being in full alignment with their partner and maybe they're struggling with similar situations where they want to travel or they want to be a live a digital mad nomad digital nomad lifestyle that's a mouthful or maybe they want to move somewhere or try a new place but they don't feel like their partner's on board so I think it's a necessary conversation um ultimately if I had to give one piece of advice just from my perspective I know Jesse kind of shared a little bit on his experience um I would say clear communication and patience. So patience is not only patience as in like, I want to do this and it has to happen now, or, oh, this could be, we could be on a journey as we get ready for this for, mm-hmm. for a few years. But patience is also knowing when to talk about what. So for example, like I, if I know that we've just had a crucial conversation where he's having an identity crisis around walking away from being an electrician, I'm not going to be like, oh, cool. Now let's look at Airbnbs for our next part of the stay. No, like I need to give him time to process. I need to give him time to reflect on that and to just really like be present with those emotions. Otherwise, he's going to be reacting instead of responding. And rather than being excited and happy and like, you know, doing all the fun things that come along with planning a trip, he's going to be stuck in the dread and the anxiety and the what ifs and like essentially operating from a more negative paradigm because Mm -hmm. he hasn't had the opportunity to fully release the negative emotions that come up as a byproduct of a loss of identity. Yeah. And if you are... If you find yourself um, unfulfilled by where you're living, what you're doing, anything like that, uh, my personal piece of advice would be to, it was very difficult for me to focus on what I was going to gain instead of what I was losing. And focusing on the the vision for the future, on where you want to go, on the beautiful house that you want to have, on that gorgeous sunset view that you're going to see every night, Vision casting for what you want your future to look like is your life raft when you're swimming in an ocean of self-doubt and loss of identity and I'm losing all of these things. I don't understand why am I doing this? Why am I leaving the safety and security of this house that I just purchased and this life that I've been building for myself? Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I appreciate you sharing that insight. Like I said, patience is huge and open communication. So like, obviously we're talking about this with you guys now, but you know, we've had so many conversations um, on the back end to really get ready for this. So without further ado, let's dive into some of these specific places. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about Austin first, because that was our first leg of the trip. So just kind of as a quick update and recap, we stayed for a few weeks in Austin in a lovely tiny home. Um, It's not for everyone, but we rather enjoyed it. (laughs) Three weeks, just Um, us four. 
Yep, four meaning our two fur babies as well, because they are traveling with us. Um, then we spent about three weeks in Albuquerque. We are actually in Santa Fe right now. Um, we did the weekend in Taos, which is also in New Mexico. And then we're currently in Santa Fe, which is about an hour outside of Albuquerque. And then from here, we are headed to, we're actually going to do a few days in Sedona with some friends, but that's just kind of like a fun trip. When I say fun, it's a, a spiritual journey that we're taking to, you know, have a very intentional guided experience and to really connect with ourselves, connect with nature and just, you Mm -hmm. know, grow as individuals and together kind of with our soul fam. Uh, And then after that, we are headed to Colorado. So we're hopefully going to stay in Colorado Springs for two or three days. And then we're going to go up to Denver for maybe five days or a Mm -hmm. week. We got a lot of friends there. Uh, And then we are going to make our way back to New York. So unfortunately, we probably won't be able to hit San Luis Obispo on this trip. California has been it's we've been kind of it's been a moving target it's we've hit been, or miss yeah we, yeah we actually we wound up leaving Texas right before everything got a little crazy there with COVID uh with the resurgence of the numbers that were increasing um when we were there everything was pretty much you know safe ish as safe as it could be uh and then people started getting a little crazy with it and um luckily it just lined up with our trip that we left before it got bad in Texas. But here in New Mexico, it's, there's, I mean, I can walk hours in any direction and like go to the store and stuff and see literally two people. So yeah, it depends where you are in New Mexico, for sure. Like Albuquerque is obviously a bit more major city, about five or 600,000 people. Um, but Santa Fe is a lot smaller. Taos even smaller than that. So, you know, Straight we've up been, rural. yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty rural. Um, I actually like it though. It's a nice blend. Like you're in the city and then five minutes later, like you're not, <laughs> Yeah, and that was our that was our vision from the beginning. We wanted to be kind of similar to our situation on Long Island, where we were twenty to thirty minutes outside of a major metro, whether that's Austin or Albuquerque or Denver. You know, we don't want to live in a city um, unless it's gorgeous and the price is right, of course. Sure. Like we look, oh, we looked at this penthouse with sunset views in Albuquerque that was cheaper than our place on Long Island. Oh. <laughs> I could dream okay. all day. But Let's anyway. Let's in. Let's talk about Austin first and then we'll talk more. So we're, so we're in New Mexico now. So obviously that one's fresh for us. Um, but yeah, we'll come back. I've been to California numerous times. I love California. I do know that it's eventually a place that I want to live or end up or, you know, mm-hmm. own property or at least visit regularly. Um, and Jesse's very aware of that too. But we're also happy to just kind of gradually work our way over there. He keeps making this joke that like he can't stand the idea of owning property in the two most expensive places in the US. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're not just making investments that are just going to be sitting there. We're actually making investments that we're going to be utilizing as additional streams of income through rental property. Yeah. So that's something that we definitely need to really bring into this equation. I'm going to be doing an entire podcast episode about our experience Airbnb being our house and our experience looking for a second rental property. We'll talk a little bit in this episode about what's important to us in terms of investment potential for the second property. Um, but let's go ahead and dive in a little bit to Austin. So let's talk with them about um, some of the things that you really loved about Austin, some of the things that you maybe didn't love as much mm-hmm. um, or that you wish that it would have that could have ugh, that it could have had mm-hmm. <laughs> and um yeah just kind of expand on some of the houses that we like the most or some of the neighborhoods or areas that really stuck out to us and kind of how we're feeling yeah okay um so we looked in uh east austin for any of you guys that are from there or have ever been there we looked around east austin uh, a lot more culture in east austin um a lot less gentrified than some of the more central areas like off congress um Honestly, though, even that, for the price point, we wound up falling in love with a place, um, what was it called? Sun, Sunfield. Sunfield, that Sunfield. was it. Yeah, it was, it's in Buda, Texas, which is 30 minutes south of Austin. So 30 right? minutes, 25, yeah, tw- 30 minutes oh, south of You're East right. Austin, right. about 15, right. 20 minutes south of downtown. Yep, it, it was a lot closer. I'm thinking Long Island, where it takes you an hour to get <laughs> 10 miles I know. Um, because of the highways and the traffic, but... In Texas, it was far, but it was close. Like, <laughs> it was far, but it was close. <laughs> it was far distance-wise, but you could get there in 15 minutes. So that was awesome. And for the price point, those houses were beautiful. It was an awesome development with a lot of different builders, and they were still building. Tell so. them about my favorite part. 
You don't remember my favorite part? Oh, the sun. Yes, it was the. <laughs> so the development was built on a wild sunflower field. Oh, and that's there the were second just fields best part. Of, rolling fields of wild sunflowers everywhere where they had. Which developed is amazing. Yet, so. And if you guys don't know and you haven't seen it already, we're actually doing a rebrand right now um, for Lawless Balance. We're going to be incorporating the you know the southwest sunsets that we've been chasing and enjoying, as well as some of the wildflowers and sunflowers mm-hmm. um, and a lot of these burnt oranges and kind of splashes of blues and yellows so we're super excited about that I and mean, you'll be seeing a lot more of that essentially if you haven't already um but yeah actually so as much as i do love the sunflowers my favorite part drum roll <laughs> is the lazy river oh so, yeah <laughs> the subdivision has two pools and a lazy river i was like "Ooh, take me here like just put me on the river. I'm just going to take a the nap. Houses, the houses that they were building and showing us right there that would have been ready for us to move in were literally walking distance from the Lazy River, too. They so were. it would have been just... Uh. Those houses were gorgeous, too. So they actually... So that a little bit more about that subdivision, because if we, um, you know, if we do decide to look a little bit more into Austin, then we would be leaning towards that subdivision more than mm-hmm. likely. Um, there are four or five different builders. They are still doing active builds. So we can either buy a home that's for sale, which we saw numerous homes that we absolutely loved. Um... And then we could also have them build us a custom home so we could really like get the specs down to what we want from backsplash to colors to like the full nine. And so, the best part, all including custom homes under 300,000. Yep. Granted, there was one or two that we really, really liked, but honestly, there were too much space for us that were a little higher, like 350 or upper 300s. Um, but yeah, if we could at 300, less than what we paid for our house in New York, uh, full transparency, our house in New York was worth about 350 when we bought it and we, we closed for... You know, it was a buyer's market at the time, yeah. so we closed for three thirty eight. I think it was actually technically three thirty three, but we gave a five thousand dollar good faith oh, yeah. deposit, which went towards the closing costs. So, um, but anyhow, so you know, thinking that we spent that much for a less than thousand square foot home with one ba- bedroom, one bathroom, two bedrooms, mm-hmm. a living room, and a kitchen, um, and which a small was dining a gr- room, which was a great price for the yeah, area, which was which a great price. Too. Like being from Long Island and growing up there, I was. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, this is in a great neighborhood, great schools. Like, this is a steal right now. Yep. And then I come down here and I see these mansions that you can get for 200000 It's like, okay, well, maybe I wasn't meant for New York long time. Also, when we say come down here, maybe in New Mexico, but not in Austin. Austin's oh, actually got a, a little true. bit higher of not only a cost of living, but just the house for pri- um, house for pricing. Price, Price for housing <laughs> is higher because it's such an in-demand area. There's yeah. so many people that are flocking there. It's growing so rapidly mm-hmm. that, um, again, it's just, you know, the prices are driven up. Um, it's very gentrified. It's driving a lot of the lower price and lower income housing mm-hmm. out. Um, so, yeah. But uh, so that's a little bit about that area. Again, there was multiple builders uh, that we could go with. We spoke to all of them. We there's two builders that we really like the most um, and one one specific house and build that we really, really love, even the way it was designed. I was like, just sell us this one. Like, we'll pay full price. You don't have to give us a deal. I don't care if people have walked through it. Like, this house is exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, we'll definitely um, be keeping that in mind. So if, I'm trying to think if there's anything else about Austin. Things one, that I really loved that were notable. Um, one was Zilker Park. So yeah. you, if you haven't been, to, if you've been to Austin, or if you're planning on going to Austin soon, definitely check out Zilker Park. Beautiful. It's uh, just south of downtown, but it is absolutely beautiful. It's right by the river. People swim in the river and just kind of come hang out in the park afterwards. Um, there are tons of trees where you can hang up your hammocks and just chill out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really nice. Whenever the sun sets, like there's tons of people out that are, you know, hanging out, drinking, drinking beers or wine or playing cornhole. What do the kids like these days? Golf. The hard cider. <laughs> Lots of Not hard, hard cider. cider. No, seltzers. Seltzers, seltzer, are true. All the rage nowadays. Sorry. Look, you guys see how old I'm getting? I don't even know what's popular these days. <laughs> um. The river, though. <laughs> so the, is that the Colorado River that runs through Austin? I think it is. I think yeah. so. The Colorado River going through Austin satisfied one of my non-negotiables which are we, are we going to talk about non-negotiables yeah, we should. now or a little okay. we can talk about now. yeah growing up on long island in the the boating culture one of my non-negotiables was we got to be by water whether it's a, a river that we can spend time on or it's a lake. an ocean or a lake is up for debate but i need water like i can't be that far from it (laughs) so so even though it's inland and austin is pretty far from any beach in any direction the colorado river around the city of austin and how 
they have it set up. We actually wound up going wake surfing with a couple friends of mine, an old military buddy of mine. Um, it's just an amazing time. Shout out to SB because I know you're going to tune into this because you support everything we do because you're That's true. Awesome. He is the homie. <laughs> we support you too. Uh, but yeah, the, the Colorado River running through Austin satisfied one of my biggest non-negotiables, which is a body of water. Yeah, totally. And it's been difficult to find something similar to that in Albuquerque. Uh, there are a few rivers that come mm-hmm. close. Uh, the Rio Grande's not as beautiful as the Colorado River in the one section that we've seen. Um, but It there was are... very beautiful when we were coming down from Taos. That's true. That is true. So the, there is water. Of course, as you get close-ish. further south, it dries up more and more. So yeah. we're also in the middle of the summer, so it's not necessarily how it'll look in the middle of three the quarters of the year. <laughs> Although it's funny because, um, well, I'll save that for a second because I want to say a couple other things about Austin before we move into Albuquerque, um, talk more about New Mexico. So essentially some things that I really loved about Austin is I really loved um, the community feel. I feel like there's a lot, like a big family presence there and people just really want to be a part of the community. Everyone cares. Not only do they care about like each other and they care about like helping out their neighbor, but they just care about like the standard of living. They care about like social accessibility and social responsibility and, um, you know, general social and human rights issues from LGBTQ issues to race issues to whatever is going on in the world or whatever kind of marginalized group is being oppressed. There's a lot of activism and like just speaking out about it in the Austin area where people are really taking like a radical social responsibility that very much aligns with my values. Another thing that's very aligned with my values is sustainability. Sustainability is really big there. Um, Everyone recycles. People live very minimal or low waste or no waste lifestyles. Um, A lot of organic options. Um, So things like that really resonate with me. And that's something that's very in alignment with the things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, simultaneously, there was a part of me that felt like it was almost too much social activity. So it's going to be hard for people that have known me for a long time listening to this podcast to believe this right now. But um, I have evolved over the years into becoming a true introverted extrovert. So I actually rather enjoy my alone time. Um, and I choose to socialize in measured doses when I choose to rather than feeling, you know, like it's there all the time. Yeah. So that's something that was a growing experience for me. I didn't expect that out of myself because I'm typically an extroverted extrovert and I'm like so social, total sanguine, like everyone's best friend, um, make friends with a complete stranger, like do all the things, do all the things, all the events. Like that's how I've, you know, how I've always been. And I'm sure how many of you know me who are listening to this, but essentially, you know, domesticated now, I would not call it, I would not call it domesticated. (laughs) I would argue that it's spiritually evolved Fair, (laughs) way more than it's domesticated. Um, anyhow, so, but yeah, that's something that kind of surprised me because I actually really felt like maybe this is a little too much social activity. Maybe this is a little too much. Um, and it seemed, and I, I don't mean to put anyone down or be negative, but I have to be honest when I say there were certain elements of the culture that were a little superficial. Yeah. So I lived in Texas for a year when maybe a little less than a year when I was 16, I lived in Dallas with my dad. And so I'm familiar with like kind of the, what the Texas vibe, if you will, the Texas culture, um, which and Austin is completely different. Austin is different, but there are still still traces of normal Texas culture. So, you know, think big trucks, um, cowboy hats, rebel flags, um, get her done, hunting and fishing, that kind of vibe. (laughs) So I'm also from Arkansas. So like, (laughs) it's like just breezing right through that, like it's second nature. Um, But essentially there are still elements of that combined with kind of this like uh, just superficial approach party yeah superficial party culture that's very kind of state school vibes so again Mm. like i went to a state school before i transferred to paul i went to university of arkansas so like i'm not shaming that or hating on that or throwing shade or anything it just is what it is and that's something that's not necessarily in vibrational alignment or a match to my current frequency or the frequency that i'm stepping into as we evolve as we grow our business as we have kids as we create additional streams of income yeah so you know one thing that's probably the most important thing to me is having spiritual community I really, really want to live in a place where spirituality is normal. It's normalized. It's commonplace um, where you can find yoga studios and meditation studios and wellness centers and organic goods and local markets, farmers markets, growers Mm -hmm. markets, stuff like that. Like I want that to be readily available essentially and abundant. And Austin is, it, it has certain elements of that, but instead of like embodying spiritual openness, it's instead marketed yes. spiritual openness. It's a little bit like it's, for show. Like yeah, there's a there's, little bit like, oh, but like there are people that are truly spiritual. Don't get me wrong. If you're living in Austin and listening to this, like I'm, you know, I'm not speaking to you directly, but simultaneously there's just certain elements of it where it does seem like it's for the physical or it's for the material without mm-hmm. necessarily having the embodiment element or the true 5D nature throughout. Yeah. Um, so that's something that kind of was brought to my attention. Uh, 
Um, so I like Austin. I like it a lot. Um, On let's, to Albuquerque. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about Albuquerque because Albuquerque is my favorite. Austin was Jesse's so favorite for a while. I don't know where he stands now. Um, we actually do our best to kind of be objective about this. We have a spreadsheet where we keep all of our information, both about neighborhoods and about individual houses, so that we can come back and revisit it and just have a really objective, pragmatic look. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like feelings matter. Obviously, a vibe matters. Frequency matters. But simultaneously, like those practical elements matter as well. Yeah. And they matter a lot more to Jesse. Um, it's funny because I, it's funny to even say this out loud because I've been such a practical and pragmatic person my whole life. Yeah. But as someone who considers myself a recovered skeptic, I often do allow my intuition and my kind of internal compass to guide what's in alignment for me. And I'm okay with that. I, tr- I completely trust and surrender that power to God and ultimately to the universe and universal life force and to, you know, my spirit guides. And I really allow myself to be guided. I allow myself to be spirit divinely led. guided and spirit led in a way that makes me feel not only feel good about the decision I'm making and feel like it's in an energetic alignment, but ultimately makes me feel protected and provided for in a way Mm -hmm. that goes far beyond anything that I could do through my own power, if you will. So um, let's talk a little bit more about Albuquerque. So Albuquerque is, like I said, a place that I felt very spiritually called to. And just since we're already on that topic, you know, I will talk a little bit about the spiritual presence here in New Mexico. It is strong. I feel like that goes without saying. Like most people, you know, think of New Mexico and they think of like Native Americans and like Hispanic culture and like Pueblo houses and like all of these things. Um, And like those bright splashes of color and like the, you know, certain rugs and all of these kind of, you know, iconic staples of New Mexico or maybe the New Mexico flag. Um, But essentially, you know, it's it's real. It's not only not only is it here in terms of like the marketing element, because that does exist, you know, there are companies and people who market the cowboys and Indians and and sage (laughs) bundles and like all of those kind of vibes to like kind of get the tourists in. But at the same time, like it's backed, like they can show the receipts. So Mm. essentially like there are, you know, Native American dwellings. There are areas of land because of COVID what's going on right now that we're unable to access because it is um essentially indigenous land and sovereign nations so and that's something that i love like so we were in the mountains in taos last weekend and i was reading a book and meditating on the balcony and i heard this hum in the background and first time i heard it i thought like oh it's just like an animal or like a car off in the distance or whatever you know we're in the middle of the woods like there are farms around us and stuff um and i keep hearing it and then five to ten minutes later i realize that is chanting And I tuned into a little bit more and I could actually hear off in the distance from one of the native lands that we could not access during the the time, but we were very close to um, essentially like a Native American ritual or ceremony going on. And it just made me feel like so like I was in the right place at the right time. Essentially, it was just like a very strong sign of confirmation for me. I mean, it felt very in alignment, like. I want to be living this kind of life. I want Mm -hmm. to venture off into the, the mountains for the weekend and be, you know, a couple of miles or a couple hundred feet away from Native Americans doing a ceremony or a ritual that are, you know, incorporating nature and living off the earth and just really not only embodying the cultural elements that are so profound and that we, you know, as Americans really, really could learn so much from, but also the spiritual lessons um, that come as a byproduct of that lifestyle and that belief system and that culture. And it's something that, again, just excites me and not in a way that I want to, like, propagate it, not in a way that I want to just, like, appropriate appropriate it, essentially, in a way that I want to honor it. I want to respect it. I want to learn more about it. I want to Mm -hmm. um, connect with it deeper on a deeper level because it's something that just resonates with me. So that's a little bit about my experience in terms of the spirituality. Um, We also met a lot of friends and just people around. We've gone to growers markets here Mm -hmm. now. The first weekend we were here, we went and we bought a whole bunch of local produce and, you know, we met a couple local farmers. We went and checked out their farm. We got to made a lot of just really grounded friends and had amazing, very deep conversations with you know, strangers, essentially. Totally. And plus, like, whenever we would go to the market, we would just look around and be like, these are our people. Like, it literally <laughs> looked like the kind of people that you would see at a festival. And I don't mean, like, the kind of festival people where it's, like, a bunch of, like, 18, 
year olds with their pupils the size of the moon like, and chewing their, on their gums rocking their rave booty with like yeah i don't know like gems all over their face no shade to that like i've lived that lifestyle as well <laughs> Lindsay's come a long way i've lived many lives in my almost 30 that, years that can sometimes be a portal um, to catapult you into oh, for maturity sure. for sure that's a necessary experience for a lot of people but the mm-hmm. point that i'm making is i don't mean that kind of festival vibe i mean like the true festival vibe of like old school hippies who just are looking out for each other and like wearing like boho pants and like sitting around meditating and like talking about their feelings and like getting in like a healing circle for example like that's the kind of vibe that I mean so that was like very much so just like the kind of thing that was around us Mm -hmm. um we also realized very quickly in Albuquerque that we would get the best bang for our buck so of all of the places on our list we would get the most for our money in New Mexico and believe it or not the schools were better rated than Austin oh for sure Austin (laughs) schools actually weren't that great most of the schools were twos and threes a couple of sixes and eights sprinkled in and all of the schools in Albuquerque so far have been sevens and eights and even some nine and tens so but just to give a quick disclosure on that we actually are not yet sure if we want to homeschool our children Uh, we know that we want to travel a lot and Jesse's really really big on really revolutionizing the education system and just shaking that up and doing things differently long-term goals baby steps for sure uh, (laughs) pun intended and um, but essentially you know we're not sure if we're going to do public school or private school or homeschool yet we're still kind of figuring all that out we got plenty of time Uh, but I do just kind of want to like you know obviously give you guys that information if you are looking to make a similar decision and also because it is something that we take into consideration yeah it's it's important but it's not a decision maker sure it's not it's not a deal breaker I would argue it is a decision maker fair enough it's not a deal (laughs) but not a deal breaker um so another thing that we really really love honestly like that's not even a strong enough term we are obsessed with in New Mexico and in Albuquerque in particular is the sunsets oh man so the sunsets are amazing if you have not seen a New Mexico sunset get your ass out here and get on it because it's life-changing and it lasts like 60 to 90 minutes because it's just it's so crazy. much open space out it's, to the mountains. it's crazy so like okay you have like 30 20 to 30 minutes of beauty as the as the sun is actually setting and the disc is going down but once the disc falls behind the mountains you get like 60 show just begins 60 to 80 more minutes of just wildfire sky on fire mountains on fire it depends every sunset looks different so it depends if there's cloud coverage if there's not clouds honestly i love my favorite is when there are a little bit of clouds because the clouds just light up like they are on fire and they like become golden and it's, it's incredibly breathtaking. Honestly, like I'm getting like hyped up just talking about it right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we first got to Albuquerque and spent a couple days here, I was like not feeling it, especially coming right out of the Austin vibe where we were having the time of our lives and doing really cool stuff yeah. in Austin. Lots of really cool restaurants in Austin. Yeah, lots of cool stuff to do. Lots of stuff to do. That's honestly like Yeah, exactly. And then we came part. here and I was like, woo, growers market fun. And then we saw our first sunset and I was like, if you can find me a house overlooking this ridge line, looking towards that open space for that sunset every night, I'll move here tomorrow. Which we've actually determined is in fact possible. We can have multiple ridges with multiple sunset views because there are so many options available. The market is very hot here. Yeah. Things are moving quickly though. So, you know, we're really going to have to revisit this decision in three to six months once we get our finances together and we get our financing approved where we're ready to put an offer on a house Mm -hmm. because inventory is moving so quickly in Albuquerque. But we have the confidence that if we can find five houses right now Mm -hmm. that are ideal dream homes that we thought would be years away from our current trajectory and be able to afford that now, then we know that six months from now, we're going to have that option too. And that was crucial. A crucial part of this whole process has been really giving ourselves time to like get bored in a place. And I know that sounds kind of counter intuitive but like spending at least three weeks in austin spending at least so that three it feels weeks like home Albuquerque. because less exactly. than that time when you're yeah. somewhere for two weeks or less it's, it's a vacation, vacation. Jinx. <laughs> Jinx. Our cat's looking at us like, what do you want? Um, <laughs> but essentially, like, that's a vacation. But once you're somewhere for two or three weeks or longer, like, you finally, you really start to feel like you're at home. You know, you get settled in, you get accustomed. Mm-hmm. Also, a quick statement that I wanted to make or a disclosure, everything was open in Texas. Granted, they've now kind of started going back on that and closing things off again. But when we were in Texas, things were open. Obviously, like, we... We took the right precautions. We used precautions. We, we wore, our, wore masks, our masks. We sanitized. Yeah, we totally. washed our hands. We stayed um, inside for the most yeah, we, we went out to eat a few times with friends, but we would eat out we would eat outdoors or we would eat socially distanced. So, I mean, like we were very intentional, but everything was open. When we came to Albuquerque, New Mexico, everything's closed. And it's also, it's so funny because in Texas, the numbers are running wild, but in New Mexico, they've had everything closed from the beginning. Like they took it very seriously and their numbers have stayed low the entire time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, that probably is, you know, not a coincidence. Not to get into the politics of it. Yeah, but. we'll <laughs> avoid the politics of it. But essentially just to give you guys in perspective that Jesse was coming out of a place where everything was open and going to a place where everything was closed so he didn't feel that level of aliveness and social engagement that he was feeling in Austin Um, 
But yeah, so we really love Albuquerque. Like I said, best bang for our buck. So here we can get a, honestly, more than we expected. We were looking, we're looking for like a three, maybe four or like a fourth convertible room house with two bathrooms. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, let's Uh, talk about that. We talked about the places a lot. Let's talk about the actual criteria for the house. Let's talk about what we want, but then let me just finish what we can get here. So like when we went out with a realtor in Albuquerque and looked at some of these gorgeous homes on these ridgelines overlooking like gorgeous sunsets and mountains. Mm -hmm. And we were looking at like two story, four and five, six, even six bedroom homes with two and three bathrooms with two and three living rooms with three car garages with huge, gorgeous backyards, full landscaping, awesome views. Patios off the master, gorgeous, huge master bathrooms, huge master bedroom suites, walk-in closets for like 300, 350. Yeah. Which is insane. So let's talk a little bit more about what we actually want. Cause on, I'll be real with you. That's a little too big for us. Wait, um, so let's just talk a little bit more about what we want mm-hmm. as we start to kind of wrap up and then we can share with them a little bit about the investment potential and opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. So for me personally, I already mentioned the water thing. Um, I would love office space. Because right now... Two office spaces. Two office spaces, ideally. (laughs) But one office space would be great. As of right now, at our place in New York, our living room also doubles as our home office. And it's it works. But having kids moving into a new space, we want to expand, obviously. That sustainability factor is important. So a home office or a a third or fourth bedroom that can be converted into an office. Um, Patio is real important. Like a deck would be great off a of master. I'm more inclined towards two story home. Uh, mm-hmm. cause I grew up in one and it seems like in alignment for me, you had kind of shown that you wanted a ranch style or you're kind of, I'm actually, I was flexible, but I am getting to the point where I am really liking the idea. It's becoming a non-negotiable for me now that I know how readily available it can be, mm. um, to have a second story with a patio off of the master bedroom where I can wake up in the morning and go outside before I like before yeah before anything before being greeted by the kids or the pets or responsibilities or anything even our phone yeah yeah, even the phone I already have pretty good boundaries around that I try not to look at my phone for about 20 to 30 minutes when I wake up in the morning spend that time to ground pray uh spend that time in prayer spend time with God Mm -hmm. center align get right with myself do a scan on myself just check in um and not be on technology and kind of get stuck in that like rat race or that you know the, the game that can become social media when we over-index in it without healthy boundaries. Being able to step right outside, yeah. though, out of your bedroom is a game changer. And I have this vision of having this, like, lovely coffee nook. Shout out to <laughs> Isabella Severio, one of my coaches, because she inspires me with hers. Um, but I have this vision of having this, like, coffee nook right by the door in the master bedroom to where I can literally, like, make my morning brew and Jesse can have a nice cup of coffee. Uh like without even leaving our room, like we're mm-hmm. without even leaving the confines of the master suite without needing to go downstairs into the kitchen. And again, you know, engaging in whatever the whatever. pets need or whatever the kids need or whatever's going on in the house or whatever needs to get cleaned up or whatever, just to be able to really set a clear intention and really align with ourselves and get clear about what we want out of the day and kind of check in with ourselves and spend that quiet time in the morning before anything else. So that's becoming something that I really, really want, which obviously requires two stories. Mm-hmm. I could be persuaded with a master suite on a single floor house that has like a second, like a, that has a like patio a patio door. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like has another yeah. patio door, like yeah. out to the outdoor area. Cause we've seen a few of those. We looked at that. I think they had that in Austin. They did. They did. And then another thing that is been on my radar. Well, it's been on our radar, but as far as the logistics, it comes down to my experience and uh, my questions. But um, having a rental property on. Oh, let's. Let, yeah. I want to. I want to like make that our last point as we wrap up. So a couple of like other quick mentions in terms yeah, of go. what we want. Uh, generally, we like I said, we want three bedrooms, mm-hmm. maybe a fourth bedroom as a convertible office or a guest space. Uh, but anything bigger than that, it's honestly too big. It's too much to clean. We don't need that much. We're not planning on having more than two kids. If we, I have, I won't, I won't go too far into this because it's a whole other episode, but I've had visions and dreams of a third child, which surprised me probably just as much, if not more than it surprises Jesse. Yeah. So in three <laughs> to five years, when we're finding our next house, we'll just make sure that we plan for it then. <laughs> okay, smart Alec. Um, but yeah, so essentially we don't need that much space. And even if we go in that direction, it's going to be... Six months to a year before we get pregnant, we get pregnant. For I get pregnant. I'd say we though. It's an us thing. It's, it's, an, us it's thing. an us thing. Um, Take For sure. You got to deal with me and those hormones. <laughs> Pray for me, y'all. Um, but yeah, so it'll be six months to a year before we get pregnant. Another nine months before we have a baby, and then a couple years after that before we have a second child. So like 
this, you know, if we ever decide to have a third child, like that's a decision that we would face like five to seven, if not 10 years from now. So it's, it's not really relevant in our current decision making process. And I really don't want to make an investment to, ha- to prepare right now for something that's 10 years from now, like we'll get ready for that when it comes. So again, we're looking for a three, ideally three bedroom house, maybe four max, um, two bath. We really care about certain elements of the master bathroom. Bathtub. We want a big, sexy bathtub, preferably that both of us can fit. That would preferably, be preferably yes. But I'll take a small bathtub over no bathtub. We looked at this dreamy house in Rio. Was that Rio? Rio Rancho. Rio it Rancho, just f- north of Albuquerque. Had a fireplace in the master that looked through into the master bathroom, and the bathtub was on one side of it. So, like, in the master bedroom, you'd be sitting looking at this fireplace, but then when you're in the bathroom, you're laying in the bathtub, and the fireplace is at the edge of the bathtub. Yeah. It's it's hard it's to so- conceptualize, <laughs> because, like, it's crazy that it even exists, because it was so desi- Like, you would think this would be in a million-dollar home, like, literally. And it overlooked the mountains where Sunset was, which was, like, this breathtaking view. It was incredible. Like, I was like, just just take my money right now. Like, we'll move in. Like, I don't care. I, we will, like, sell a kidney on the black market. We shouldn't like, be let talking us know. about it, actually. We should If we wanted it to still be available. We shouldn't. We you didn't hear anything. <laughs> you heard nothing from us. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so those are some of our um, designs in a home we also you know we want to have some grass a lot of the properties in new mexico um we expected there to not be a lot of grass here and not be a lot of trees there are a lot more trees and a lot more grass than we expected but there are still some properties that don't have grass so that's something that's important to us to either have or be able to put in um even sod whatever like fake grass turf i don't care um but the reason that grass is important one is because we like the experience we like the look we like the feel but more importantly it's because of our baby girl viola she is apprehensive to pee on anything that's not grass essentially She's needy. she so we want to plus like we want her to have like a nice play space where she can run around and get her energy out um so we want to have a nice backyard that's fenced in with a little bit of grass um we've actually been seeing a lot of people doing here in albuquerque like these small patches of grass and mm. then the rest of the yard is like dirt or gravel or landscaping which is awesome honestly because it just means you know less yet less yard maintenance less to mow um is there anything else that i haven't touched on that we really want to talk about uh, things that we like are like vaulted ceilings, granite countertops. It's kind of a given yeah, though. Yeah, that's all like kind of fairly standard negotiable. at this point. Yeah, exactly. And plus, to be honest, because Jesse has his background in construction and being an electrician, like we're okay with doing a little bit of work as long as the price is right. So meaning that we're not going to be at the top of our price point if something needs renovations, but we're willing to do something closer to the bottom of our price point. If it does need reno work, then we can put that money towards that instead. Absolutely. So price point wise, we're looking at between two to 300,000 is ideal. We could go a little bit more than that, but we really don't want to. And honestly, we don't have to. There's so many things. Um, assuming that we decide to go with Albuquerque, New Mexico, granted, if we do Denver or Austin or something like that, then we might be broaching on that 300 point a little more likely we'd probably be looking at like somewhere from 275 to 325 Mm -hmm. um but we'd really like to stay within that two to 300 range so i think we talked pretty good about my non-negotiables and your non-negotiables yeah um kitchen space is important to me we want a pretty spacious kitchen we like the idea of having a breakfast nook or an island because we spend a lot of time in the kitchen we love to cook um but other than that like we don't you know the the specific pretty flexible yeah we're pretty flexible um a lot of the houses we've looked at have like two or three living rooms and i'm like this is ridiculous we don't need this like one living room is more than enough maybe maybe if it's a two-story house and there's like a sitting room upstairs and that could be cool for like when we have kids in the future so they can have their own like entertainment space with their friends but like that's gonna be so far from now like you know how long it's gonna be before we have kids that are teenagers a long time, 10 to 15 years. So again, you know, like not very pressing. And I don't want to spend 10 to 15 years cleaning a huge ass house to get ready for that moment. Something that's important for me that I didn't mention is either the garage space or a room that I can start oh, yeah. to build a home gym. True. So yeah. we talked about that. We want to have a big garage space or a second, like a, a room that's not being used essentially to have an in-home gym. So yeah. that's important to us, especially during, you know, quarantine and COVID and everything mm-hmm. that's going on. We've just really realized, you know, not everything's not going to be accessible like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to have that option to where we have no excuses and it becomes easy to work out from anywhere rather than becoming a struggle or something that's easy to put off because we don't have the resources or the accessibility. Yeah. Discipline is second nature when you cut out all the excuses. Yeah. So let's, um, let's kind of wrap it up and just talk a little bit about the investment potential piece. I know that yes. um, you guys have been anxiously awaiting hearing about that. I'm sure. Uh, Cause we dive a lot into, you know, creating additional streams of income and the pillars of wealth and being able to really build sustainable wealth. And this is obviously a key component, not only for the big picture for anyone, but specifically in kind of like our financial plans and our life plans yeah. in terms of our portfolio and in sustainability. 
Honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. So essentially to expand on that a little bit more, um, first things first, if we live in a subdivision or a community, then, which isn't necessarily what we're going for, just to make it clear, like, um, we don't really love the cookie cutter feel of that. We're not opposed to it for the right neighborhood or the right house. I'm moving away from Long Island. I don't want to move into another Stefford Wives situation here, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him speak on that. So, um, but yeah, essentially like in the state that we end up in a community or a development, um, cause a lot of the new builds are happening in developments right now, even if it's not like a gated community community, just even like a open community. Um, we want to make sure that the community itself allows for rentals. That's important to us. Um, so for example, if we're in New York for a period of time, or if we're traveling the world or we're going somewhere else to visit, we want to be able to rent out our home without yeah. having to worry about, you know, some annoying neighbor down the street calling the HOA mm-hmm. on us or something. And there's a lot of red tape legally speaking in that area, depending between, on where you between are, between HOAs, between insurance, between all, all the above. Um, Luckily, we've navigated it before. Absolutely. And thankfully, um, there are neighborhoods and there are places in the world where asking for forgiveness instead of permission is still a good idea. <laughs> oh, it's interesting that you bring that up. So that's my personal philosophy. I'm surprised that he said that, to be honest, because he's normally quite the opposite. Listen, we're in the Wild West now. We're down in New Mexico. Okay? <laughs> he's quoting our last Airbnb host. I like had a I they tried to charge us a credit card transaction fee for like the place we had stayed. And I was like, that's illegal where I come from. Like in New York, it's literally illegal to charge that. And he was like, you're in the Wild West now. <laughs> Anyways, so that was a funny little situation. But essentially, yeah, like we want the community to allow for rentals. Um, We also want um, a possible second entrance. So, for example, if there's a finished basement or a separate apartment or efficiency on the space, um, like on the property itself, then we want to have a second entrance for that. Um, Otherwise, if those you know, options are not in place or it doesn't have this kind of separate entrance or second efficiency, then we want to make sure that there's enough space in the backyard to where we can build a tiny home or get a yurt. So not only do we like it because we're just, you know, little traveling hipsters who just love that shit. We love staying in tiny homes. We love staying in yurts. We often rent those kind of accommodations whenever we're traveling because it's fun and it's something different and it's unique. Um, But also because it's a great opportunity to make money both while we're traveling and while we're home. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that's really important to us, Uh, whether it already has something like a tiny home or another space or whether it's something that we need to build later, we're open. We just want to make sure that we have the flexibility, both in terms of the size of the property and the actual coding and zoning in the area that allows for that. Um, A lot of places have like size limitations, which makes... I I looked into it. A lot of places um, in some of the neighborhoods in Austin, they allow you like an eight by 10 structure with a foundation that you can build. And then here in Albuquerque, it's a little bit more flexible. Um, totally. But yeah, looking into those kind of coding and zoning and asking the realtors those hard questions, they might not want to answer. Um, but they're gonna. But they're. <laughs> they want us to buy them. They're something. gonna answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit about kind of the investment potential there. So we're gonna have numerous opportunities to create investment potential out of this, both from the house itself and then from any secondary efficiencies, tiny homes, or apartments that we rent out on the property itself. Mm -hmm. So, and just to give you guys kind of a ballpark trajectory, like what this looks like in terms of income. I mean, to be, to be real with you, the, if we have a tiny home that's in the backyard, that in and of itself could very likely pay the mortgage with money left over. Yeah. Like the people who own the property that we stayed in Austin, the tiny home, they said, even with COVID, they had been rented out 350 out of 365 days of the last year. And granted COVID's only been going on for the last like five, six months, but those numbers are sure. Crazy. And we'll, we'll talk more about Airbnb specific numbers for like where we've stayed and like our, us renting out our own home in New York um, in another episode coming up. But essentially, just to give you guys an idea, I mean, they were making depending on the turnaround time, because if if they have more people that stay shorter amounts of time, they make more money. But if they have longer, if they have one people set of people like how we did when we were in Austin, where that stays for like three or four weeks, then it, they charge less for that you get a discount for the amount of time Mm. um but essentially with that kind of you know taking those variables into consideration and giving you an average they're looking at easily two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars a month just from rental income from the tiny home yeah so even if their mortgage granted their property was a little bit bigger and a little bit higher of a price range than what we're looking for i think their property was like 400 450 because we looked on zillow um they had actually moved there from brooklyn as well they moved from new york to austin to do the same kind of thing so you know it's it's definitely happening it's very viable right now um but essentially like that would pretty much just pay their mortgage and maybe give them a couple hundred bucks a month left over. So if we're doing that in Austin, it would look similar. But if we were doing that in New Mexico or Albuquerque, then it would very much likely look like us making 1500 to 2000 a month and having a mortgage that was one to 1200, like 1000 to $1,200 and then profiting 
pretty much doubling up on our mortgage. Mm-hmm. So and being able to put that money towards other investments, being able to put that money towards retirement, being able to put mm-hmm. that money towards paying off the mortgage faster and making yep. double payments towards the mortgage. And a lot of people take the position that like, of course, Austin has a high tourist. There's going to be a lot more people wanting to, the demand for places to stay is going to be higher. But in our experience, trying to book Airbnbs and how competitive things are out here for renters, like you're not taking into consideration like this is a family vacation spot for people who are lower income or people who live on farms like people travel all kinds of people travel not just like digital nomads or people with disposable income that are trying to you know have a vacation for their family like Airbnb has really revolutionized the travel game and made it very affordable and possible for people in lower income areas to travel and experience the world so like even places like Albuquerque, Santa Fe, Taos, even the Airbnb market is still fairly competitive. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so that's, you know, that's a little bit about us and our trips. We'll come back on and do another episode, a part two, where we can tell you guys a little bit more about our experience in Denver and Colorado and Arizona. Um, but yeah, so that's our experience so far in Austin and Albuquerque. Uh, we, those were the top two places just to be transparent with you guys. So at the same time, like we've kind of, you know, saved, kind of done the best things in the beginning, if you will, and kind of saved the places that we either weren't as sure about or that are not as accessible right now during this time with everything that's going on with shutdowns um, for last. Uh, But yeah, we'll definitely come on and talk to you guys more about that. And essentially, we're just spending this time trying on different vibrations and to find the frequency that really feels like coming home to us. So we're so excited that you've been on this journey with us. Thank you so much, Jesse, for coming on and talking about this. Um, yeah, I'm excited. My pleasure. Had a yeah, time. absolutely. I'm excited to have you on future episodes where we can talk more about this. We can talk more about our relationship and working together and our finances and how we commingled that, but also, you know, talk about our travels and finding our next home and a second rental property and all of that good stuff. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope that you guys enjoyed listening. If you guys have questions about our travels, about our trip, about, um, you know, investing in rental property and buying a second property, uh, the home buying process, any of that stuff, definitely reach out to us. Uh, Reach out to me one-on-one. I would love to talk to you further about that. Um, And I hope that you guys have an awesome rest of the day and a great week. And I'm excited for another episode. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode resonated with you, please share it on social media or send it to a friend you think would love it too. Want to hear more episodes? Subscribe so that you'll be the first to know when we drop a new episode and also leave a five-star review on iTunes. Your support means the world to us. Let us know how the podcast is impacting you so we can empower more women through the Women of Wealth podcast. For more info on me, you can visit lawlessbalance.com resources. Got some free cool stuff for you in there too. Or come hang out with me on Instagram at lawlessbalance. See you there.